0: are you getting the picture of what God is trying to do? It's, there's a strategic purpose underneath it all. God sends them on purpose to strategic cities. He sends them to cities like Ephesus, the financial capital of the Greek world, where if the gospel can take root in the banks and the financial institutions, God is going to touch the economic world. He sends them strategically on purpose to places like Athens and places like Corinth, the seats of culture and of entertainment and of thought and and of philosophy, knowing that if the gospel takes root in the place where where uh, where there's incredible cultural power, it will spread across the Greek world. He sends them strategically on purpose to Rome, the capital, of the whole world, the seat of political power. Do you understand that God was at work? They thought they were being scattered and they were being sent. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God was at work all the time. Think of the prayers they're praying, trying to get God onto their agenda. And God has a sovereign purpose saying, I'm sending you to the four corners of the world. Now, it is very easy to read the scripture and just see the pieces and not the purpose. And this is what we do in our lives. We live our lives just seeing the pieces and we don't see the purpose. We see what God is doing sometimes, but most of the time we just see life as it happens every day. We wake up, is it a good day? Is it a bad day? He's a good guy, he's a bad guy. She's a good girl, she's a bad girl. This is a great boyfriend, that was a bad boyfriend. That was no good. This was a good thing, this is a bad thing. And we look at our life through a series of little pieces and we fail to see the perspective. We've never stepped back to take a grand look at the panorama of what God is doing in both the good and the bad. Do you understand what I'm saying? That God is working in both the good and the bad. And that's the first thing I want to tell you this morning. Write this down if you've got some notes. Listen, God has always been at work. He had a purpose in the good and the bad. In the good and the bad alike. We don't like to hear that. But if you look at life at just the pieces and thank him for the good days and you're all upset about the bad days, you'll make bad choices. That's why the Bible says to you, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. What kind of mind? A strategic mind. I understand that Jesus now was strategic in everything that he did that Jesus did miracles on purpose, and the places he went were on purpose, and the things that he talked over people's head, it was on purpose, because he was accomplishing, he said, the will of his Father. I need to have a mind that thinks on purpose like Jesus. I need to step back and see the perspective that God promises, that he is working all things together for my good, for those who are called according to what? His purpose. So you abandoned me, but God was blessing me. You were rejecting me, but God was directing me. I didn't fit in over here, but God, you were leading me over here for your purpose. I can thank God for that. I hope you would this morning. You cannot look at your life in the microcosm of one season you'll make bad choices because life goes up and it goes down. There are good days and there are bad days. There are, there's seed time and there's harvest time. There are peaks and there are valleys. There's going to be times when everything's going right and times when it goes wrong. Times when you feel blessed and times when it's all going to hell and everything in between. And if you lock in on the bad moment, you will build walls that will hold you back. If you look at life through the lens of the loss or whatever it is in that moment, you will misidentify yourself. You will take on a whole new identity and it will change everything and keep you from the purpose of God. I hope you understand and hear me. Look at what happened to Naomi. This is exactly what happened to her because in a moment, in a microcosm of time, she lost every man that she ever loved. Both her husband, or her husband, both her sons, gone. And in that moment... She, she starts to change who she thinks that she is. She looks at her whole experience in Moab which was a blessing at the beginning because there was a famine in Israel and she was blessed and it was going good but now she's having a hard time looking at it as a blessing and she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. My joy is gone. Call me Mara because I am bitter, I am sorrowful. She has defined herself by one phase in her life, stuck behind a wall and she's not alone. Millions of people are stuck behind the walls They're preoccupied with a hurtful thing that happened at one point or in one season of their life, and now it defines their total identity. We're all guilty of taking, right, pieces of the truth, legitimate things that happen, but then taking those pieces and using them to frame uh, a reality that's not exactly accurate— a hurtful situation occurs and we exaggerate it. It was all bad, they were all evil. It was no good, it was bad. A tragedy happens and then we need somebody to blame and so we focus all of our anger and our resentment and we we focus it upon them. Some people delight in just playing the victim. Some people have just become so negative. They don't even see how it's affecting their whole view. Is the weather not just beautiful right now? I mean, wasn't Friday and even today amazing? And I'm looking on Facebook and people going, we're going to pay for this later. (laughs) Really? Really? People love to play that role, right? And they're they're discouraged and they like to play the victim. And it's not all accurate because they might have been guilty of some of the things that you're accusing them of, but they're not guilty of all the things that are wrong in your life. They're certainly not responsible for the walls that you've built in your mind in response to their choices, right? Come on. And so people are living behind walls. Have you ever said any of these things to yourself? Maybe repeatedly. No elbowing, please. This is not my fault. I'm not the one with the problem here. I deserve better than this. I mean, my parents did not get it. After what they did, I have a right to be angry. In fact, I'm justified in what I get to do now because of what they did. Hmm. If you want, I'll come right in there and step all over your toes. I'll do that. I don't need any help. I don't have any problems. <laughs> I've heard that one. I can deal with stuff on my own. Hey, if they want to make things right, they can come to me. But I'm not going to respond until they... All this stuff is indicative of walls that we're building up that we're going to live behind. And you cannot be free to the purpose that God has for you when you are living behind walls. I want to break that open today and show you that God has something absolutely bigger for you. Naomi is stuck because she refuses to have the perspective. She can't see it. That everything that ever happened in her life was strategic. The famine that drove her to Moab was not to feed her, but it was to take her to meet Ruth. That was the whole point. He could have fed her back in Bethlehem but he uses the famine to drive her to Ruth so that she can meet, meet her. The predicament of hunger is used to get her to the place of her purpose. There's a reason why you're in Indianapolis. It may not be the reason why you think that you're in Indianapolis. God has used the circumstances and the events and he's using all things. He's used what, even what you think it is to move you to a place where you are to accomplish his purpose. But are you even aware, is it even on your radar that God has brought you for his purpose? God, you're opening my eyes, say that. God, you're just starting to open up my eyes. I can see what you're doing. Maybe you really are working all things together for my good. Yes, the lies, it's working. The loss, it's working. The layoff, it is working. The foreclosure, it's working. The storm, it's working. The betrayal, it's working. The ripoff, it is working. God is working all things. The enemy on the job, he's working through them because he's just shifting the gears and moving you around to the place where you're gonna find your purpose. Because he's working all things together for your good. I'm living in his purpose right now. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Thank God for everything I've been through that has brought me to this moment. When I'm here and when I see the perspective, I say, why would I waste another moment in bitterness or anger or resentment or frustration or some kind of jealousy? Who likes me today? Who doesn't like me today? I'm just trying to please the Lord, amen. I feel a great sense of freedom when I know that I'm living on purpose. So whatever's going on in my life is cool because God has a plan and a purpose. Or, what are they saying? What are they doing? Preoccupied with everybody else's business and miss out on the purpose God has for your life. Let me give you a second thing to write down. You're predestined by God to accomplish His purpose. Could I just say that again? That You're predestined. You, you were, before you were born, you were predestined to accomplish his purpose. Now watch this. It's not your agenda that God is interested in. You keep praying to him to support your agenda, not understanding that he created you for his agenda. You know, God wants to use you for his purpose, and I think a lot of people just want to use God. How can two people walk together unless they are agreed? And so you've got to come to the place where you finally reconcile the idea that he is the potter and I am the clay. He's the do you want right? He's in charge. He knows what he's doing, and I I exist to bring glory to him, to serve him, to, to be about what he calls me to do. That's my purpose. The truth is, most of us don't live there because we end up living much smaller lives behind walls that actually make us very self-absorbed people because life is all about who left me and what I lost and who did me wrong and what bad thing happened to me then and what things they need to do to make me happy, and me, 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 and all the while, I'm just thinking about what's going on in my little world, and God would say to you today, it's time to open up your eyes to the greater panorama of what I would, might do through you if you would just get on purpose with me. You know, pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. What needs to change is not what you think needs to change pain turns some people into saints and it turns some people into devils. What is it that makes some people better and some people bitter? You can have two people, one person loses themselves in the loss, another person finds themselves through the loss. What needs to change is probably not what you think needs to change. Some of the self-talk that you've told yourself and what you have believed mixed in with the enemy's lies has deceived you and kept you stuck and lonely behind walls of fiction. Because God has a purpose that's greater for you than what you're telling yourself. What needs to change is inside of you. I wonder, though, if you have the courage to look. Here's Naomi. Her husband dies. Her two sons die. She's lost in the loss, depressed, bitter. Call me Mara. I came out full. Which is interesting because she left in a famine, but now she's reframing the truth. I came out full, and now I'm empty. Hmm. And Orpah says to her, first daughter, bye, and leaves her, and leaves her and walks away. But Ruth, something happens to her where she says, "Oh, hold up, Naomi, wait, 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 I'm going with you. Let me grab my stuff. Don't leave without me. I'm going with you. Wherever you go, I'll go. Your God will be my God. I'll be with you wherever you go. Now, Orpah leaves Naomi, you know why? Because there's no more point for her to be in the story. She doesn't have a purpose in this, she's not predestined for the same purpose that Ruth has. Understand, there's a reason why Ruth unknowingly has a passion to be with Naomi, because God has a purpose for her, even though she can't see it, God is using her passion to take her to the place of purpose. But but Orpah, she doesn't have any passion because there's no purpose for you to be there, so she leaves. And this is important. Some people you're trying to make want what you want will never want what you want because they're not predestined to be in that place with you. You've been dragging around, carrying around that dead weight, trying to get somebody to be something they'll never be. If they want to leave, let them go. Bye. Let them go. They're not supposed to be there. Let them go. People will resist you. People will resist. When you start saying, I'm going to get on purpose with God, people won't like that because you're going to start to change. And people don't really want you to change. You know, everybody says, I want to change. No, they don't. They want things to stay the same but get better. (laughs) That's what we really want, right? I don't want, to, I don't want to change anything. I just want things to stay the same but get better. But you start to say, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not hanging with you. I'm not having those kind of conversations. We are not going to go down that road. It gets very uncomfortable for some people. And so they say, well, I want you to change back. It's really all about them. But if you're going to pursue the purpose of God, you're going to have to let some things go, let some people go. In the words of Abraham, in the old King James Version, he said, uh, you stay here with the asses, me and the lad are going up yonder. I'm just quoting the Bible. Just saying. You're with them, but you are not like them. You used to do the things that they did, but you're not that. God has a higher call on your life, He's got a greater purpose on your life. He's predestined you for a purpose. And if you're willing to make the shift and pay the price and look inside and see what is it that's got me locked up. And I'm, now's the time I'm going to deal with it. And I'm going to find out how to be free. If you do this, the scriptures say that God will pour out a blessing on you that you won't even have room to receive it. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Now God has a purpose for Ruth. And so he gives her this big passion i got to be with you. Wherever you go, I go. So she goes to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law, not understanding that God is using her passion for Naomi as bait to get her to Boaz. She has no idea. If you get this, this, is, this I feel like I'm talking to somebody today. All of a sudden, Ruth is passionate about going to a place that she's never seen before, she's never been before, different culture, different food, different God, different worship, different everything, no job, no friend network. She's going to be a foreigner and look down upon. This is important because when you start to follow the purpose of God, things are going to get uncomfortable and you will not feel like you fit anymore. I wonder why. Because now you're on purpose with God and you don't fit where you came from anymore. And and people don't like it, but you need to move on. And you need to face what's uncomfortable in order to get on purpose with God. You might have to leave some things behind. It will feel strange, but it's worth it. The walls aren't worth it, but the purpose of God is worth it. She comes to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law, and her mother-in-law says to her, daughter-in-law, take your basket, go out to a field, and in the custom of that day, poor people can glean what gets left behind on the ground. Ruth says, all right, I'll do it. Goes out, not recognizing that this is the day. This is the moment where she steps into the place of her purpose. She walks onto that field and the scriptures say in chapter two of Ruth, it says she just happened on the field of Boaz. No, she didn't. It was not just, it didn't just happen. She had all... For years, God has been maneuvering everything around to get Ruth right to that place, into that moment. That means that God was using the famine. The famine played into it. The deaths played into it. The disappointments played into it. All the decisions played into it. Even the choice she made that morning played into her being exactly where she was supposed to be at that moment. And she catches the eye of this man, Boaz, who owns the whole place. And he looks over and he says, Hmm, that girl over there? calls the foreman over and says, you know what, as she goes through the field, I don't want you to pick everything, leave leave a lot for her. In fact, and I love that it says this, listen, he says to her, he says to his foreman, see her? I want you to go on ahead of her and I want you to drop handfuls on purpose. When you get into the place of your purpose, it's amazing how God has provided everything you need, provision and protection in the place of your purpose. How stuff that you could never make happen on your own just suddenly comes together because the hand of God is upon your life. Because now you're not just living for yourself, you're living on purpose with his plan. That's where you need to be. Oh, wake up and say something, that was good. That was was worth something right there. God, if you get on purpose with God, he's going to provide for you and he's going to protect you on purpose. Man, I hope I'm getting through. I hope you're not just getting excited. I mean, I hope you're really getting this today. That God is working things together for his good. So good that some of you came in today, and you're just, even this whole subject gets you a little on edge. You're like defensive, but you don't know what happened to me, and yeah, that's easy for you to say. I don't know your story, but I know this lady's story, and I've talked to a lot of people, and I know my story. God works, and he has a way of giving you your joy back. Watch what happens. Naomi ends up, I mean, Boaz eventually ends up marrying Ruth, brings her into his house. She who was poor and destitute now is living in the home of the wealthiest man in the city. They have a son together. The son's name is Obed. Do you know who Obed was? The great grandfather of King David of Israel. Through whose line would come Jesus Christ, the Messiah. This is the great great, 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 times 20, great grandmother of Jesus. And she had no idea that God had a purpose. He had a purpose in every predicament. He had a purpose in the good times and in the bad. Everything was happening on purpose. It gets better. (laughs) As if that was not enough, Naomi has this beautiful little boy And the women of the village start to say this phrase. It's in the chapter, chapter 4. It says, and Naomi has a son now. Naomi. That means that this this woman was so wrapped up in the life of this little boy that she got her joy back. Don't call me Mara anymore. Call me Naomi. Naomi. I got my joy back. All hell broke loose, but I got my joy back. Life was caving in on me, but I got my joy back. I was depressed. I was discouraged. I got my joy back. If you're not going to praise the Lord better than that, I might just stop right now and thank God that he was good to me. Thank you, God, for how you were good in all the things, the good and the bad. I thank you for what you brought me through. He is working on your behalf. You cannot afford. It's not worth living behind walls anymore. Walls of who did what to you, and who said what, and who doesn't like you, and what took place. What loss you've experienced, what bad thing happened when you were a kid, what blame you've attributed to your parents, or the abuse you've been through, God saw it all. He may have shaped you with some rough tools. He may have put you through some crude circumstances, but he says, my hand was on you the whole time. I never left. I never left. Even that, the Holy Spirit says, even in that. If some of you says, yeah, yes, but, no, even in that. Are you willing to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit today. Don't waste one more day in who left or what's lost. Don't let your life be defined by one season. God has something greater and bigger for you. This year, 2012, is the year you get your joy back. But will you open up to him? Do you have the courage to look on the inside and see where you've really been held back? What walls have you built? This is a journey of several weeks. I want you to be back for every night, every meeting. Get in a small group, get a part of it. Today, commit your life to Jesus Christ. In fact, I don't even need to beg. I just want to give you the opportunity. Give your life to Jesus Christ today. Get done with living for yourself and for your purposes and for your life that just seems to happen randomly and discover the purpose of God, you say, Darren, how do I do that? You know what the scripture says to you? The scripture says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That is no cheap little verse that says, God's just going to give you whatever you want. That's not what it's saying. You know what that verse says? Make God your priority, delight yourself in him. God, your purpose, your plan for me. God, whatever you have for me, that's what I want. And he will give you what? He'll give you the desires, he'll give you the passion. When he gives you the passion, the passion is gonna lead you to the place of your purpose. That's why he says, open up to God, hold nothing back. And I'll do everything that needs to be done in you. Now, will you open up to God today? I want you just to stand and close your eyes. We're gonna pray together. Just stand up, let's all pray together. Join hands with the person next to you. Bow your head and just, just consider that you're holding the hand of a person that has been predestined by God, made in the image of God, born with a predestined purpose, prepared to hold the gifts of the Holy Spirit, abilities, to be used by God in a powerful way, but maybe never ever realize that because they're living behind walls. Life of that person you're holding the hand to could have been defined by a moment, a a bitter moment. And they've said, I don't even know where my purpose is anymore. I've been living bitter, sorrowful for too long. Listen, today is the day to get your joy back. And for those of you who would say, yeah, but, you know, I'm so far from God. I have drifted from the Lord. I, I've done things in my sorrow that I wish I'd never done. I've said things. I've done things. God knows. You're not choosing him today. He chose you. You're not what you did. And you're not what's happened to you. You're, you are meant to be a child of God designed and built for his purpose. Today is the day, now is the time. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy that says you have plenty of time to get on purpose with God. God brought you here today and this is your opportunity to say yes to him. No turning back, I've decided to follow Jesus from this day forward. Say yes to him. God, you are my God and I am not. I'll follow you. I'm sorry for bitterness. I'm sorry for holding you at a distance. I'm sorry for my self-directed life. I'm sorry for my sin. Come on, just tell him yourself. Tell them yourself. God, I've decided to follow you. God, I'm so scared. Where were you when this thing happened to me? God says, I was with you all along and I'm with you now. That's why you're here. I brought you here. You survived, you made it. Now get on purpose. Use what was meant for evil in your life for good. God, you see every person that's here today and I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a very healing, supernatural way. Heal broken hearts heal bruised souls, stubborn resistance, I command to go in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would break bondages, Lord. I pray that there would be a desire, Lord, a passion for you. Through that, Lord, I pray that you would lead them to the purpose you have for them. How many of you are willing to say, yes, God, that's me? Yes, God, that's me. All over this room, Lord, people are saying yes to you. Jesus' name. Raise your hand if you're praying that prayer with me right now. No, just raise it up. Yes, yes. Everywhere, all over this room, people are raising their hands saying yes to God. God, I'll follow you. I'm giving my life to you. Amen. You can put them back down. Listen to me. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. And the way you do that in the scripture and the way we practice it today is we come out from our old life and we step into a new identity. We are dying to ourselves and we're buried with christ raised to walk a new life with him tonight at 5 30 i'm going to be in that water i'm going to be baptizing people who have decided today is the day i'm following jesus you don't need an appointment you just need a towel (laughs) you just show up and you come and you meet me it won't be in front of the whole church but you come and a handful of us will be standing here at 5 30 tonight and you can come and say i am dead to my old life the walls are done I have decided to follow Jesus. And I pray that many of you will make that decision today. Can I give God a great hand of praise for his word this morning in our lives? There we go.